Hi, I'm your host, Tom DeSavia. Join me as I interview guests from music and entertainment from around the world about what they're up to right now. Stay tuned, because we're gone in 30 minutes. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Gone in 30 Minutes. Today, my very, very, very special guests are the lovely and talented Sean and Sarah Watkins. Hey, gang. Hello. Um, we are so, so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you. What are you doing right now? What are you up to? Just hanging out in my house. Yeah, same here. Same um, here. What else do we do? My, my garage with my with my instruments. Um, just living that living that dream, man. Feeling good. Feeling good about uh, the you know where we're headed. Yeah. So many people. Everyone I know is vaccinated. I mean, it's it's crazy. Every Almost day. Every day. I'm either finding out people are getting vaccinated or they had been and just didn't want to tell me. Yeah. Or anybody. Yeah. Well, speaking of feeling good about yourself, um, <laughs> in, in my world, my, my self-loathing usually comes from that I've spent the last year not really doing anything but growing my hair into a bad 80s supervillain look, while everyone around me has mastered like bread cooking or, or has achieved learning four or five languages. And you two sort of make me feel worse than anyone in that you just that your output during this time and what you've done during this time has been nothing sort of short of incredible oh. yeah it's way more impressive than learning two languages i totally agree <laughs> i mean what bread will be gone yeah but a, what, what but a live stream is forever is this it? No, oh, gosh. In, in all seriousness because i i and I'm, I'm i'm being very sincere with this i one of my biggest complaints in our modern world in general outside of the pandemic world is is sort of the the loss of regionalism in america something that we saw sort of fade away whereas i know we all grew up sort of knowing of, we'll just take it in terms of music and la sound and new york sound you know a motown sound and everything sort of had like this you know this wonderful regionalism like it was like our we have with sports but we had that with the arts and with the exception of, say, Memphis or New Orleans, it's really all become sort of the Starbucks culture. L.A. has had this really wonderful regional thing in the Largo community and its music community. And it's something that really people know about uh, its existence and people know about the musicians that are tied to it and the comedians that are tied to it and the actors that are tied to it. And you two have really been a part of bringing this regionalism sort of internationally and nationally during this time and kind of keeping that crowd together, which I think is so important. Could, did you, could you feel that as you were going through the year that you were keeping your community together? Oh, by just doing these live streams. Yeah, honestly, mm. I, I, it felt like that to me because um, when we started doing our monthly family hour shows at Largo, it was out of trying to establish a community. <laughs> like that wasn't the exact intent for the first few shows, but it very quickly became apparent to Sean and I that, um, that in doing these shows consistently once a month, it gave us an opportunity to, um, to get together with people that we wouldn't normally play with. And, um, and so, you know, when you meet someone at coffee, instead of saying, oh, we should get together sometime and play and then never playing. We could then follow that up with, actually, I've got a gig tonight. Can you, will you come down and yeah. play or next week or whatever? Right. So 
that became part of how we found our our people and and became part of the community that already existed in LA. And um, and then you know we've been doing this for twenty years now. This this consistent show in La at Largo in Hollywood, and um, and then when we started doing the live stream, it it kind of went back to the original intent of the show, which was just to like make contact with other musicians and have an excuse to play with them. Um, in the course of our residency, you know, it's become a, it's it's evolved. It's become like um, uh, a different kind of show every few years, or or maybe you know we go for different stuff and and we we try and we try and let it evolve. But this year, it just kind of went back to our original intent, which was connecting with other players. Yeah. And uh, it it gave us really it's the only reason that that we that I have that feeling right now of wanting to get together with friends and and feeling like oh this is a cool song maybe so and so will come by and play it with us. Yeah. It's a really really it was, vital part of being a musician. When we first started at Largo, there was this amazing community that existed and I feel like we just kind of like made a sub we wanted to sort of like create our own sub community, mm -hmm. you know, borrowing from it and not create it but sort of be like uh, cultivate it. Cultivate it because Flanagan, who uh, who runs Largo, we're all good friends with him. He, you know, he kind of gave us that opportunity. And growing up in the bluegrass world that we came from, that's a very common thing. You get together, you get people together. Variety shows are kind of a part of what happens. Um, and so it just gave us an opportunity to sort of curate something like that here in Los Angeles, where there are all these musicians who are people like Benmont, um, you know, Benmont Tench, who's been a part of our show for a long time, who's an incredible, you know, touring musician for, you know, for like 40 years with Tom Petty and also a um, amazing, you know, renowned uh, studio musician. But, you know, he, people like him, they just want to play. They want to have a, 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 a gig at, you know, at a nice place where people will listen. And once we realized that, it kind of opened the doors to to being able to to meet new people and also to like like Sarah was saying, just like actually have a tangible thing uh, that we could point to and say, "Hey, come play with us here and and um, you know on this night." And so it's we couldn't be more grateful. And it's you know it's something that's always been centered around Largo, and um, you know will always be that'll always be our home club. But um, it's been fun to kind of take that and 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 have it be this year it's kind of been fun to sort of like see that it can it can survive um wherever we want to do it you know um these live streams have been super fun and, and that communal feeling and getting to, together with these musicians has it's been great to know that we can do it on our own you know um and like i said we always want to do it at largo but but it feels like the community has kind of coalesced um and I, I couldn't be more grateful for the community here in Los Angeles, the musical community here. It's so wonderful and diverse. And I was just thinking the other day how many people know each other. Like, like, like there's so this is such a huge, wide, diverse uh, community. But and everyone it kind of like seems to know each other. You know, if they didn't ten years ago, they they do now. And it's really, really cool. Well, it really did. And it did. It made me, I, I started to think about it because we all go through the, you know, oh, we've all gone through the, oh, woe is me portion of this. And then we've all gone through the, 
much more important and you know much more sort of impactful oh my god i'm a part of something massive this is happening to everybody it's not just me and someone who would have dismissed sort of live streaming a year and a half ago as to why would i do that i found just such comfort in it and Mm -hmm. such a great escape in it and that's what art does it lets us escape right yeah and hopefully we can you know when sarah and i started doing these family hours on patreon we were thinking we're trying to think ahead like what can we how can we carry this into the future when we're actually doing shows you know um is there a world where we could be you know live streaming most of our shows in some way when we're on tour so that people who can't be there can can watch you know um so I, I think maybe there there is some good technology wise, streaming wise that that will come out of this that we can use going going forward because people, you know, like you said, people are comfortable with it. It's it's almost mm-hmm. like online dating was. It was so there was a stig- stigma sure. when it first happened, and people were like, I don't want to. It's just not the real thing. But, um, st- but streaming, you know, obviously we want to get back to real shows, but streaming has people have really enjoyed it, and it's been a way to com- connect and to to stay musically active, you know, and it's actually been helpful. And the, the regional thing, I think, is is less. It's it, there. There is this this great thing about. I can. I, I, I've got two thoughts. So there's there's this thing where like we all had to stay home, and or most of us, and we started walking around our neighborhoods, and we started seeing our neighbors, and we started recognizing the cars in our yeah. neighborhoods, and yeah. seeing patterns, and going to our neighborhood uh liquor stores instead of you know the places across town next to this other thing that you always go to and um and markets etc and um so there's that aspect coupled with the regionalism of of social media and of our joining adjacent friends Mm -hmm. that um that i think is an interesting juxtaposition i made this map on a paper one day for some kind of personal therapy that seemed like I needed. And I wrote, uh, I just drew little chicken scratch houses on this paper. And of course my house was in the middle. Um, (laughs) And then I just made a lot of different houses all around on this page. This like, you know, I'm trying to move my hands so you can see. Um, And I just drew my friends' names in these houses and it was it was supposed to be for for me i got a little bit of comfort from finding realizing who my who my relationship neighborhood is mm-hmm. and the people that are in it and i found that the that the people who came to mind to write their names on those houses were a lot of people that that i haven't like byron burline for some reason is in my neighborhood i have i talk to him once every 5 years and but he grew up, he was a fiddle player in LA that I grew up, um, w- he was a mentor to a, a, any fiddle player in Southern California. And um, so like Byron was in my neighborhood and and these other musicians who I felt connected with at some point and that connection is still there. And then yeah. new people who have come into my life because for some reason, and like all this happenstance, I've known them for like three years, but they're in my pod and so we are, inseparable <laughs> and it's been this yep. it, it was a really wide range and so i feel like to your point of, of regionalism i feel like it's it's an interesting concept because um it's gotten very small and and huge yeah, yeah. 
I completely agree. And I think it's, it's, it's funny to, to say what you go to what you were saying, Sean, like, I, I mean, did you both enter this time? I mean, I know I entered this time as an A&R person who's done this for 100 years who went, I can't do my job anymore as soon as it started. I was like, I just, I, if I can't leave my house, I can't do my job. And it took a, it took a minute, but I realized I, I could, not only I could do my job, but you can also build, strengthen bonds. You could do all these things you needed yeah. to do because we're all going through that, that loneliness, that isolation. And, you know, let's just say it, the absolute joy of not having obligation. You know, it's sort of this <laughs> constant balance for me where it's like, yeah. I feel really rotten, but oh my God, I'm, you know, it's sort of that twilight zone where I have like all the books in the world and all the time to read all the books. Right. And you're like, I've got no one to talk about the books with. Yeah. You both have had this constant circle of folks that you just played music with, not necessarily professionally, but that's just what you did. Was it, did you think that was going to stop in the beginning? Was there a fear that that, because that's, just yeah. We were very lucky. We were very lucky also, Tom, that the album that we were planning on touring was mm -hmm. a duo album. <laughs> and at the very beginning of all this stuff, you know, you were it, the, the, the limitations and who people were supposed to be seen with family was OK. And so we had this weird loophole <laughs> that that Sean and I we were like, we're family, so I guess it's okay. We're gonna do this thing. And it, we were lucky because this album was duocentric. And it was the first time that Sean and I had actually tried to focus on like, what can we do as two people and maximize that? And yeah. so in like, this was the perfect project for us to have had to release during this time because we were, and we lived 20 minutes apart. So we were actually able to do this thing together and represent the album in some mm -hmm. way yeah. that that was actually kind of in keeping with the intent of, of the record, you know? And mm -hmm. so we originally were trying to figure out, Sean heroically was trying to navigate all these different ways to do streaming shows with adjusting settings and like adapters. And there was a run on all these little things that people yeah. would use. And we tried, we tried a few things that we, we invited friends to send videotapes and we, we, we would record our thing at it. So it would seem like we were playing together, <laughs> even mm -hmm. though everyone knew it wasn't. Uh, and um, we just like out the gate, it felt like everyone was like, how can we figure this out? All the musicians were like, we've got to, we've got to do something. And, yeah. um, and then it, and then things chilled out a little bit and we realized, oh, this is the long haul. Let's figure out what's sustainable. Um, yeah. and so eventually we just started as people were comfortable, as it was safe, testing was so available in Los Angeles, we mm -hmm. were able to like test regularly and then invite people to come and stand on the other side of the yard and play yeah. with us. And it was always, you know, for, for most of our friends, it was the first time they had done that in like eight months. Yeah. It, <laughs> so, really, it felt really good to be able to offer that to, to, to people, you know, yeah. like, and, and we were outside in my yard. Um, and I, I had this raised area where um, it so it felt like a stage, like this little front patio, and then there was like a three foot kind of wall, and then and then some dirt, and we would stand up there, and then we'd have like friends and neighbors come by. It would be the most; it'd be like five or six people. Um, but and that was only like this winter, like since right. yeah, it was yeah, that, it was, that that was yeah. like towards the end. Anyone came. 
it was so fun to just yeah to to be able to call our friends like you know Gabby Moreno and Dan Wilson and Mike Viola and and tell them we have a safe you know responsible way of doing a show and and them being like man this is awesome I haven't played this is so great and it was we were all kind of experiencing that joy together somehow like you know keeping this flame alive in this dark time I felt like we're like like lord of the rings like going through some cave with a candle and like just keeping it alive and honestly tom like I, it's not like it, it was so great to sing with people but yeah. honestly to watch like david and sebastian play a song david garza and sebastian steinberg mm -hmm. play something together or david and and gabby sing a beautiful song in spanish and um, like being in the audience was yeah. the most, Mike, I remember Mike Viola and Dan Wilson were over at one point and this was right when Semisonic's album was coming out. They wrote a song together for it and they, they played it. I'd never heard it. And it was this song about, I don't know if you've heard it, Tom. It's the song about being on the road. It's called and, Baby Tapes. It's really great. And it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I've still got all the basement tapes. Yeah. And it's about like touring in a van crashing on people's floors and it made made me cry yeah. i was so i was so uh you know that just was the soft spot for me of everything and um and it was a real gift to get to see that so i mean watching these people is is the best i would say like just as good as as playing and that that goes for at largo too like when we get yeah. to Get off stage and watch from the side. It's it's yeah. the best. It's the best. I mean, it's it's just as fun and and in a totally different way. Just it's it's really a, a privilege and, and part of the job that I love. Yeah, it certainly has to add that level of oh my god, just this appreciation going forwards for it because it's yeah. like you know you, you realize like what we've been without for a year. And just whenever it gets to be funneled in or whenever, and that's what's funny. I mean, my, my little crying things start at the weirdest time. It could be the worst like 80s movie ever, but there's a scene in a club and I'll just be like, oh God, I remember. I think you're right. It's, yeah. it's because, it's because we, we, we've been constant up and, you know, in, in normal life, we, we've got in a city like this, in any big city, you've got constant bombard, bombardment of, you know, all different kinds of entertainment and things to distract you from this and that. And, um, I think one good takeaway from this is it's really, I think it's, I, I've been the same way. I've cried more this year than, than ever before. And I think it's just because you, we've got more space to, to think about things and it's, it's kind of more natural. I think it's more the way that we're supposed to be as humans. We're not supposed to have a million things happening all the time and shows. I mean, it's great. And we're going to go back to that, but I think that's, that, I think there's a, that's the it's reason. It's like, I mean, that, that aspect of it is like a fast basically, right? Yeah. Like. Like you quit, you you just kind of don't eat food for a few days and then, or you stop eating sugar and then all of a sudden you can taste the sweetness and lettuce, you know, like, like it, it, that aspect of it, I feel like is, totally. is us just like learning how to feel what we're capable of feeling. And I mean, not to get all woo woo, but people used to feel so much people like, I think, I think that there were so many sensitivities that people had when it was just them in the world and and that's how you survived. And now we survive by not feeling. Yeah. And um, so I think right. that I think there's that that this has taught me a lot, like my capacity for being sensitive to things that that I'd like to be sensitive to. Mm -hmm. Do you find yourself like going like, oh my gosh, like this 
this person that I've become is going to stay along for the ride going out? Or do you think you're going to go back into a, uh, you know, Am I just going to make children's records for the rest of my life? (laughs) (laughs) First off, I I was like, I was like, it is, it is sitting up there as just a beautiful record and it should be classified as a children's record because parents will love to put it on. So they do not have to throw whatever device they're using out the window. But it's just a stunning, it's a stunning record. Thank you and, so much. And, 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 and maybe the best cover of a Beatles song that's ever happened. But we'll <laughs> have that. Boom. Uh, and, and Earth, Wind & Fire. Got to get you in my life. <laughs> um, but no, but do you think like, like your writing process, has it become more structured, less structured when inspiration I, hits you? Is it random now? Is it- personally, I, ha- ha- so far in my life, I have written... Um, after absorbing, like I've talked to our friends, Greg and Holly, who are, who are improvisers, um, and they, uh, com- comedic improvisers yeah, and, improv- and they, um, they have two different processes and I've realized that I have, I have Holly's process. Like, um, they say that like Greg says that he like absorbs things and immediately just like, boom, 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 just like has it at his, at his ability to just express with everything that he absorbs and then our friend holly said that she um like she absorbs and needs to process and then after a while it will come out and that is how i have worked so far in my life where it is probably i remember sam phillips saying the same thing where it usually takes her years before she is ready to where a song will come Mm -hmm. out that addresses something she goes through yeah and I, i feel the same way where i Imagine that in like four or five years, I'll have a record that somehow sorts out through everything that's happening in this year or how I'm processing this year. But um, but for now, uh, I'm trying to just experience it and yeah. play cover songs. <laughs> it's also a, a time of life type of situation. I think when you're younger and you're like dating a lot of people and you've got a lot of these varying experiences, personal experiences, Songs can just come out a lot faster because they just there's a thing that you need to say, especially after a breakup. But when it's all been, highs and lows, it's all like boom, boom, boom. Yeah, boom. yeah. But when you're like in a stable kind of relationship or marriage for a while, it's great. Um, but I think it does affect the creative process in that way. And I I would love it if I could have both of those ways that Sarah was talking about. I tend to sort of be like what Sarah's talking about, where it takes a little bit of time. I I, I would love to be one of those songwriters that can get together. In a session and be like, oh, that's a cool idea. How about this for a chorus? Dun, dun, dun. And it just happens, you know? Right, right. But I can't, it's just, that's just not my, my, my process. It sort of just goes in and sits there for a while. And then some morning uh, at 1030, I'll be like, oh, that's what I need to do. It's okay. got to ferment, guys. It's got to ferment. Because our time is going to run out. I have so many things I want to talk to you about, but I, I would be very remiss because there's something I, I really want just to sort of pay tribute to. Um, when I first started going to shows when I was about 15 years old um, and got my mind blown by just seeing live music specifically and not being a musician and not being someone who studied musicians, my mind was blown by, by two guys that I remember seeing at this age. And, and one was a drummer named DJ Bonebreak who plays with X and a million other people who is just a maestro. And the other was, was a gentleman named Don Heffington. Yeah, who I'd never seen anyone like him at the time I was with Lone Justice. And Don, I know, was an amazing and such an integral part of the Watkins family. 
and yeah. Louis lost him this year. And I, I just love some, some Don stories from you. How did you cross paths? I remember meeting Don at a Ben Montench house party. Ben yeah. Mont would have these for, I think maybe like one or two years, he would have these Sunday night jams, music jams mm -hmm. at his house. And, um, yeah, for like I would drive, years. I would drive, um, up from Carlsbad to two hours, two and a half hours to go to these things and then drive home that night at like 1am just to be there. Be, you never knew who was going to be there, but it was always just like, uh, nourishing. And, um, Don would, I remember just playing with Don there for the first time and he just had a snare between his knees and brushes. And it was just like the most appropriate, it was just the most appropriate drumming that I'd ever heard in that kind of setting, which is an acoustic jam with like maybe an electric piano, maybe, but like it's basically a bunch of guitars, a couple fiddles, maybe an amp if somebody's there, but like, quiet and chill. And he was just playing along with these songs, such a musical player and had the swing that just wouldn't stop. He just had this yeah. great feel and a great, um, a great personal vibe, like yeah. kind, open, welcoming, such a generous person and player. Um, and he's gonna always, be always a team player, a team player musically. And, you know, on the road, we toured with him. A fair amount. All the people that we know, like Ben Mont and Greg, that play with us, um, and like Sebastian, they've known him for years. I mean, like, when the Heartbreakers were thinking about drummers, Ben was like, maybe we should ask Don, you know, like, uh, you know, and that was, you know, like a long time ago. So there's this history that he had with all these people in this in this community that we got to sort of observe that was really cool. He's lived so much life, you just hear these incredible stories that would come out you know, like he would just start talking about like the year he spent, you know, driving up to Bob Dylan's house in Malibu, just hanging out and playing music. And, you know, that would be like four or five years into knowing him. That story would just come out. You've know? been holding on to that one. Really? All those achievements were just a credit to the great person that he was, because yeah. nobody you can be the best drummer in the world or the best musician in the world. And you're not going to do anything if you're a jerk. And he was uh, he was the best. In years when you look at his body of work, and look where this guy touched and what he did. It's just remarkable. And I just wanted to, I know you, you, you two have been such a huge part of his last last chapter. And I just think it's wonderful that, that so many people got introduced to him. We feel very privileged, you know, to, to, have, to have met him and, and spent so much time playing with him. We're almost out of time. I knew this would go so fast. I, I just want to, if you would leave us, what should be we watching, reading, listening to right now? Got any tips? What should everyone be? Oh, golly. Tom, yeah. why are you throwing this at the end? Like, no. Just something. It, like, what, like what, uh, what, uh, word association. Go on. I started watching, oh man, we started watching a great new show on uh, HBO last night with Nicole Kidman. I can't remember what it's called. It's called, uh, it's got a really boring title, but it's so good. Watch the first three episodes. Dang it, I can't remember the name. Google HBO Nicole Kidman. I've been listening yeah. to Help. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. Just been on this help binge. Wait, just the Beatles? Help. Yeah. At the beginning of COVID, we just listened to Abbey Road every day. Um, every day, like in the morning. And it was the best decision I've ever made because, because you like, there's always something to glean from it. And there are always corners of those songs in that album that I never really paid attention to. 
And you have to listen to every, like you have to listen to stuff. Like we always just like listen to a record once and be like, yeah, I got it. But when yeah. you actually have a limited amount of things that you can listen to, like we were listening going through our vinyl, you have to like get yeah. more. You, your brain wants to find more stuff. And I feel like that's such a great way to listen. Yeah, I, I remember the name of that show is the the Undoing. I was going to say, um, producer Laura just weighed in. She's like, the Undoing. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, it's really great. It's kind of yeah, it's it's really great. Um, but then also uh, the record I've been loving um, is uh, Pino Palladino and Blake Mills' duo record. It's a great record. Oh, great. That it's is a great instrumental, record. and it is weird, and it is it sounds incredible. It just it's, it's so sonically rich. Oh my yeah, gosh, it's, it sounds. It sounds it's like the best sounding new record I've ever heard. It, it yeah. sounds so good. Um, and it's a great, it's also really cool because it, it kind of has a spirit of jazz, like um, avant-garde stuff from the 60s, like Ornette Coleman, uh, but also totally new and harmonically different. It's got this, it's like he found a new way to encapsulate that spirit and also do what he does and or what they do. And it's, it's really, really great. So that's, that's my record recommendation. Obviously the Linda Ronstadt documentary. Oh yeah. It's oh. so. I mean, I don't even know why I mentioned it. I've watched it. It's so good. Um, well, I mean, there's to the, the listener out there, there's a plethora of these two out there. There's a whole bunch of uh, Nickel Creek reissues that came out just at the end of the year on Craft. Uh -huh. There's yeah. Sarah said a new album. Don't have to have an album, live album. Our first Nickel Creek live album, yeah. Right, and so and so there's a lot to go find and catch up on. And Yeah, and our then, last record was called Brother Sister, and that's the one that we've been yes. kind of celebrating yeah, we're, last year. We're going to hopefully, you know, it looks like, you know, we're going to start doing our shows in like late August, early September through the end of the year. We'll be on the road. So check our tour dates and hopefully we'll come near you. Excellent. We will be seeing you on the road. And I can't thank you both enough for taking the time out of your day to chat with me. Thank you, Tom. We'll <laughs> see you later. What a pleasure. Thanks, see you later. Everybody. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you next time on this thing at this place where you're watching or listening to it. See ya. Bye. This show was presented by Craft Recordings. Thanks for joining us for Gone in 30 Minutes, produced by Laura Saez. I'm your host, Tom, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>